0: Welcome to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B growth podcast. I'm Alex Hipwell. Each episode, we bring you B2B founders, CMOs, marketing and sales leaders to find out what makes them successful and what's behind their failures. Let's dive right into today's episode.
1: Hello everyone welcome to another episode of Growth Colony. I'm Shane Hoda with Xgrowth and today I'm talking to Justin Smith, CMO at Ansarada, about how to create a personality for your B2B brand and stand out in saturated markets. No worries, good to be here. Justin, for those who might not be familiar with yourself or Enserata, or can you give us a quick background and intro?
2: Yeah, um, Ansarada is a fintech business. Uh, we help Companies uh, raise, protect, and realise their potential, and that can be all sorts of forms of utilising technology to help them on their journey Um, when they come to a critical juncture in their business. So that could be raising capital through equity uh, or cash, or it could be a merger and acquisition, or it could be an IPO, or it could be a divesture. You know, all sorts of transactional natures. Uh, We we provide technology such as virtual data rooms and a, a complete platform that helps companies on their complete life cycle. So everything in their information governance from, as I said, an M&A to uh, a CFO using us for doing their audit and keeping their information always on, always relevant and always ready to act if an opportunity should strike. So uh, we create, uh, we, we think we've got the world's best fintech technology that helps uh, advisors and their companies, companies and their advisors uh, realize that potential. Uh, you know, that's through all sorts of AI, uh, technology, sifting through your documents, understanding how bidders are looking at your um, documentation, helping companies uh, in this time of need, you know. So we see huge waves of the trends that happen in business you, you really see on our platform. So, you know, we know... Passes a lot of raising capital through equity you know trying to survive these challenging times to you know waves of insolvency uh, they all utilize our platform to share that information that due diligence to third parties so that's 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 us in a nutshell
1: very fascinating and and tell us give us a little bit of background about yourself I know you have a very interesting background
2: yeah probably not what what you call a traditional um, market background, CMO, I've sort of worn a lot of hats, Um, started out more in the creative uh, field. My career has been divided into two parts, whereas really in the UK and in Australia, I've been working in agency land as an advisor for 15 of my 30 years of the career and working on the corporate side on the inside as well. I've owned an agency, uh, marketing agency and creative agency for 10 years exited that I've owned, uh, Mark, uh, fitness businesses with the commando, uh, who is, uh, you know, channel 10's uh, fitness program. We, we had a fitness uh, platform for some time. Uh, and now, um, helping on the inside, uh, you know, is, is a really great challenge because as a, in the agency land, you're often advising, you know, and you're building brands and you're advising on strategy. But really you're not really living you're not really living it each day as you do on the inside and that's where I sort of shifted to the corporate side to feel that challenge uh, thrive in that challenge and help businesses on the inside because I believe brands are lived from the inside. So it's been over about 30 years I've, I've helped some of the world's leading brands such as Visa and Brown in the UK to the blue chip Australian customers uh, in Australia and now. Into technology and fintech, and now Ansarada,
1: I, yeah. I really like that, and I and I and that was the main reason that uh, I wanted us to have this chat because of your creative background, and now you know really working in a B two B fintech um, in the B two B fintech scene because I feel like in the in the market there are a lot of B two B brands that are absolutely bland, and if you kind of take the logo off their website or some collateral of theirs. You can't really tell the difference. Why do you think there are so many bland B2B brands out there?
2: Well, I, I, I always believe marketing is only as boring as the team executing. Um, so you know, it, it is, it's about, you know, I look at not the word bland, but I look at the opposite of that is being distinct, uh, is the key to, um, to anything. You know, people talk about differentiation. I, I talk about distinction. because the opposite of bland is distinction. And people are probably bland because, um, you know, a whole era of risk adverse was traditionally in the space of B2B. It wasn't seen as the sexy part of being marketing. You know, B2C was always the sexy part where you could be irreverent, you could be flamboyant, you could uh, engage with people. But if we look at that, they're dealing with humans. They're dealing with uh, the new generations of how they're going about just like B two B, B two B is selling to a person. So I think it comes from a heritage of risk of the old days of suit and tie. Uh, um, you know, most B two B were public companies, so reporting to shareholders, which were you know, was seen as you didn't want to be standing out and being distinct. You wanted to be uh, accountable in a way that didn't stand out. It w- was bland. You you didn't really want to be standing out in, in, a, in a public um, market. So I think it comes from that day. And I think maybe for me, uh, a lot of that B2B marketing, a, a lot of weight is on the go-to-market team. So there's a lot of responsibility that goes with supporting a business from influencing the whole customer's buying journey, from their behaviours to driving retention, advocacy, revenue, and I think that responsibility has driven risk and um, and risk uh, adverse people drive blandness. You don't want to be distinct. You don't want to stand out. I think that's been, a, a, you know, it's gone over time and, you know, I actually encourage other competitors to be bland um, because there's only enough distinction that can happen. So you need bland players. But, yeah, I think that's the reason why it comes about. And I think, you know, if we go forward thinking about distinction, you know, everybody's got a blog, everybody's on social, everybody's on video, everyone's doing podcasts. So what makes you distinct? And I think people get mixed up with uh, trying to be, they think they need to be different and different can be copied. Distinction cannot be copied, I believe. and And... That's the, that's the key to standing out amongst the blandness is what makes you distinct and you have to work out and, and define that, encourage that, nurture that um, to really stand out in the sea of blandness.
1: I really like that. I, I, I really like, I mean, uh, I was going to ask why is it important for B2B brands kind of to have a personality and you kind of frames it as distinctiveness, which is, you know, that also recent discussion of distinctiveness versus differentiation uh, which is i think is also a very very important conversation you know you, you you kind of brought it up why do you think differentiation and distinctiveness is more important than differentiation now, marketers have always been talking about differentiation right oh, you what is your what is your differentiating uh, you know attributions what is your unique value proposition right that is going to differentiate you from everybody else Why do you think the distinction
2: is is more important than differentiation? Uh, Well, Whether it's more important is probably, mm, I I think it's more how many can be different now? How how many can really be truly different? There's probably a handful of, you know, when we see someone, um, you know, renegades go into a market and challenge that market and turn it upside down. There's a few players that play like that and then the 97 other percent, what do they do? That's why distinction is really important because um, there can be only so many disruptors. Everybody wants to be a disruptor. You know, a number of years ago, and being different and disrupting. But I feel that you can actually succeed being distinct, and the majority, you know, that aren't don't really have a different product from their competitors. They're, they're going to be doing it through their distinction of their brand. And you talked about personality. I think they're hand-in-hand hand when you talk about br- the, the modern-day brand and personality is the same thing. Personality is brand. You know, I, I what was his name, Mark Benoff, of, of uh, Salesforce. He, he talked about that brand is their greatest asset at Salesforce because you can copy the stats. You can copy the speed. You can copy the, the the product, the price, the quality, even. But what you cannot copy is a brand, and brand is personality and your distinction that goes in. Because, I think about brand as a living entity. It's it's everything cumulatively over time. A thousand gestures happening every each and every day. It's like. How you answer the phone, how you write an email, what is your what is your brand identity look like? What does your advertising say? Your website, you know, endless customer success um, conversations that happen. All of that together, orchestrated together, is what makes strong brands distinct. Uh, and I think a lot of people get mixed up with brand as the visual identity and, and that element, but it, it's it's I call it a living entity. It's hard. We haven't cloned humans yet, have we, really? You know, we, we, we were trying, but it's really hard to copy that distinction and that personality or, or what makes a brand. I think that's where I see the difference between distinction and differentiation is you can be different through being distinct. And I think there's, that, that, that's, that's where we should be, we should be looking, looking at, at playing because we're, we're looking at a total different buyer now. Than than my when I started 30 years ago, you know the B2B buyer is completely different. You know, you look at the pipelines; I think they're they're shrinking. The pipes are shrinking because the customer is already doing their own research. They're making their own calls to their colleagues. They're investigating your presence in the marketplace, uh, investigating far more than you ever have control before, and then they're making a decision before they talk to a salesperson, or before they go and e-com, they've, they've already got it in their mindset. That's the new challenge. And that's why I read the studies that uh, when we first came about, and we first met um, Les Burnett's study on B2B marketing and the difference between sales, you know the perfect balance between sales activation and brand building. I live and breathe this because I think it is the future of how B2B brands will thrive. We're in a different buying space. We've got a different generations coming up it's completely different and uh, then, then when, when I first started out and we're in for new challenges I think people want authenticity yeah they don't want to buy off a sales pitch yeah
1: that that you're right that report was was absolutely fascinating when they talked about the uh, the the 54 46 divide between activation brand for b2b industry
0: Do you ever find yourself stuck with a B2B problem? Need a second opinion on your next campaign? Or looking for some feedback on that piece of MarTech you're thinking to purchase? Well, that's why we created the Growth Colony Slack channel. This Slack channel is like a small dinner party where you get to meet and mingle with B2B professionals, hear what others are doing, and keep up to date with the latest B2B trends and news you'll also get access to a range of exclusive content from our podcasts, webinars, and events. The best thing about it, it's all free. If this sounds interesting, head over to growthcolony.org forward slash slack and sign up. That's growthcolony.org forward slash slack.
1: Tell us a little bit about how you're going about implementing this and building a personality, building a brand, building distinction
2: in Anserada The first challenge was stripping away all uh, synthetics. So um, anything that didn't feel real. That's where we started. We, we went through, you know, I look at the, the greats like Patagonia and, you know, these brands that have lived on being uh, human and real and talk like, just let's just talk like humans do. Let's not butter it up with a sales pitch on a, on a, on a, on a website that, that nobody's buying anymore. The, the, the new generation is not buying there. I remember, I can't remember his name, the Patagonia's founder. He, he's had one great line that says, writing fiction, fiction is much more difficult than nonfiction. And I think that is so true. You know, I, I worked in the advertising industry for 15 years in creating fiction. I think that's a lot harder to do. What I tried to do when we came into Ansara was is strip away all that what we thought we should be saying, and let's connect with customers in a way that's real to them. Because an investment banker is is my customer, a C CFO, a CEO. I promise you, they're looking at Instagram. Their kids are on Glitch, watching uh, YouTube and gaming videos. They're buying consumer goods exactly the same way they're buying. They're thinking about brands in a B2B space. Yeah, the sales cycle is different, but the brand is 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 can be completely the same. So I looked at doing looked at let's try strip out where we uh, we're still not we're still not perfect we're still stripping out things that happen throughout an organization where you be that synthetic style of trying to be what you think the customer wants to hear and you think that they're of a corporate nature so you believe that you should write your copywriting like this or you should have stock photography of somebody shaking hands and doing you know those cliche things I try to strip that away. And one of the things that I, and one of the initial things that I did when I entered was try to strip away all that sort of synthetic visual stuff, the, the verbal, and then looked at why don't we communicate our brand through our customer's voice? So I started this thing called the Pathfinder series. And we have a product called Pathways. That's why it was named the Pathfinds. And I went and created 30 or 40. Uh, stories about customers and now these aren't case studies these are stories we've had drones going over surfers we've been in Thai boxing gyms we've been uh we've been everywhere telling the story of their personal story of the customer because people buy from other people they respect and people buy from somebody that they think they relate to so why why not create a whole brand around who our customer is and showing that uh, and an advisor and an accountant, a CFO, a CEO that's in charge of billions of dollars still goes surfing, still goes boxing, still does crafts, whatever, whatever they were into. I wanted to highlight that and not be so much of a sell about Ansarata, but a selling about we are about empowering and protecting our customers, it was all about our customers. So I've tried to create the whole brand around this uh, idea of doing this and the brand around what is now possible for them being in a relationship with us at Ansarata. And so the, the, our driver is now you can. And it's a simple colloquial term is now you can do this, now they can do that, You know, et cetera. And it's, it's raw. We show what's possible now. And, and that's, that's how I've really tried to transform the brand. The, the brand assets and the core assets, such as a logo in green, were before my time. I've just harnessed them and said that's what we should always be. We should have our core assets and that makes us distinct. And our brand personality, I just added onto the giants that were before me to um, you know make a really distinct brand that in our market, We've got we've got those bland competitors, and I encourage them to continue to be bland. Uh, you know, we're just re-releasing um, tomorrow a New York is version two of our M and game. So we created a, a, an app that's an M and game for bankers to play off site They compete all over the world. They compete against it. They grow, building, they buy, merge, sell companies on a game app, and it's it got, gets published in the New York Times, and it makes us distinct. And, and that's one of the many things we, we align with Spotify. We do Spotify playlists with all our customers. We've done cookbooks. We've done all sorts of things that are enhancing their life, definitely in these challenging times. And that's what brand is. Brand is, is building a relationship and you're a human personality. It's just like other personalities. Some you like to be around, some you don't. And I think in a sea of uh, downloadable white papers, that can really stand out. My challenge was uh, that's a traditional space that you play in in B2B is, and the CAC payback on that. I've gone and advised companies for 20 years to saying that you're going to get 4% conversion and that could take you three to four years to get a payback. Why Why do we continue to continually invest in this? Because we're looking for vanity metrics. We've got to report to boards. You know, brand is hard to... Hard to uh, Hard to quantify, you know. You can measure search volume, you can measure uh, your share of market. You know, it's a long-term game, and I think uh, it, it does pay off. Yeah.
1: Let's talk about that um, brand being a long-term game. I think that's that's one, and 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 being being hard to measure in that long-term period, right? How do you how do you go about educating people? You know, how did how did you go about educating the team that you were supposed to sell this? That hey, you're not going to get and like, there's not going to be much that's going to come out of this in the first two years, maybe three years. That's hard for some people. They're like, well, you know what? Well, I'm going to just buy you on your, on your word for, for three years. Mm-hmm. Well, what's, what's the process with that? Like, how, how do you go about and, and, uh, and convince someone, uh, that, that they should invest in for that period of time?
2: Well, I, I I go back to um, Lesbanette's study. So you you can show studies that's done over fifteen years of measuring B two B brands and what made them grow, and brand is a proven avenue and aspect. As we know that you know the ratio that they defined is build in B two B forty five percent around fifty five percent on sales activations, those activation, those lead gen elements, which you need both. You have to do both. Um, so showing studies, I am I, I have the privilege at Ansarada of working with a CEO who's very innovative, who's a disruptor. So I, I, I don't have to convince him, but I do have to uh, educate others on how you measure that. So we measure that through measuring our share of voice. You can do that for a number of ways through studies. You can do it through uh, YouTube surveys. We measure that all the time. How many recall seeing our brand and our advertising? We measure in search volumes. So one of the challenges I had when we joined was people were searching for the generic term of our category, which in one of our products is the virtual data room. So then you're competing on PPC and search and your competitors and it drives up the price and the only person that makes money is Google and it can cost you $3,000 a click. You know, it's very expensive. So what we did was we looked at measuring what, what was the search volumes on Ansarada? Now, you, we're going to do, invest in this for the next six months on advertising, brand advertising. We're not even going to ask for anything. We're just going to talk about our brand, what, what our brand is about. We're going to do all these interesting things like align with Spotify. And then we're going to measure again in six months. And we had a, it was a 20% growth of searching for our term so now in the Australian market, we have fifty percent of the search volume searching for our for our name out of our market, which is pretty awesome place to be. In. Amazing. Uh, we, you know, we have challenges in other new markets. They're my challenges at the moment. Um, uh, Europe, we're doing well. America, we're we're a very small player. So I've got the challenges there. It's different types of challenges. So you need to build a brand again in those spaces and. Why would I go in looking like the competitors? Why would I go in doing exactly what they're doing? Um, I'm not going to have any distinction. I need to go in and create new features, new distinction, you know, new everything that's uh, that's going to make me stand out from the players. Or I'm going to go in and be a price player, and that's not what we play. We're a premium product. Yeah,
1: Justin, where where do you get your ideas for uh, for distinctive mm. brand moves you know mm. your spotify move your um mm. the um the 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 customer founders uh, kind of story but where do where do you get these ideas how do you do you have a process for kind of developing these ideas or is it more like the creative side it just comes to you as you you know looking at things and you put pieces together how, how does it yeah. work
2: yeah, I think um, well, creative creativity comes from a problem. You know, I, like for myself, I've always been a creative person, so I've been lucky in that in that sense of how that comes about. But it's usually facing into the problems. Like talking about creativity is like Spotify and all that is great, and it's more engaging to talk about a podcast. But the metrics and the studies and and um, looking at your segmentation, looking at your market, actually. Give the problem to be creative to so, uh, and then doing that. I I just I just hunger a thirst and thrive on looking at all brands out there, reading books, podcasts like such as yourself. You know anything and everything to consume um, how others are doing it. And I think we've always been in a tradition in B two B to be saying, I just look at my category, or they're irrelevant to me, they're not in my category, or they're to c they're not relevant to me in my category. I I think the opposite. I think that's where I want to be looking. I want to be looking and saying, how did they connect so well with that customer? How did they grow that share? I can never copy their distinction, but I can definitely learn from uh, the tactics or, you know, I'm going to have my own strategy, but I can definitely learn from you know, creative tactics that can connect with with humans. And, um, yeah, I think it's just, I like I've mentioned a few, few people that I look at, you know, I look at, I look at, oh, you just look at brands, you just look at how brands and how they thrive, what made them strong. And I think what people do is uh, they try copy, you know, and that's not, you've got to find what, f- what creative avenue fits the problem. And I think that's where a lot of us go wrong they they there's a set system on marketers, their vanity metrics they've got to report on those. I think the m q l killed creativity um to be honest you know in the last ten years it's important i i i i i am as much as I'm creative, I study metrics of of what how things are being executed what what's not what's what, what's not working in the pipe, what's working in the pipe. So you're equally doing that but I think you get so obsessed with reporting on metrics that that kills creativity that kills what really connects because if you've got a number you've got to meet it's about that number not about connecting with that customer uh, to get that sale or to get that acquisition whatever whatever your whatever your um, B2B operations is and I and, look, I'm looking way more now into talking to the category as a brand and then really honing in on creative executions on personalization. You know, you hear them talking about ABM for a long time. But, really, uh, that's just marketing. I've always thought I thought it was just a word for marketing uh, is knowing the personalization. I think I look at that and I look at other, other great companies that are doing those two parts of that, that game, you know, which is, Making it personal enough that I think it's about me, but making the brand so I feel like I want to align that. that, that that's about that's about what I believe in. That's how I like. Then they feel innovative or they feel safe. Whatever whatever it is that you're you're doing there, and it comes back to being a personality and being distinct. I really like that. I, I like
1: that um, that approach of of hyper personalization. Uh, the other thing that I want to ask you is is you've touched on this a little bit you touched on you know how you look at brands how you study them my mm. question is if you know what will be your advice to someone who is thinking who wants to start build a proper personality for their brand right where mm. what will be your advice in terms
2: of where they should start i'm going to assume that they've done the fundamentals so they've done their market research They've done their segmentation, talking to the, the customers, and they sort of know that where their opportunity is. So I'm going to assume that they've done all they, – they, they know that. They sort of know where there's a positioning. You need to find where is your positioning in that market. Where do you sit in that competitive set? Then what are the needs of that customer? And then you need to fit that personality space. You need to fit that distinction to stand in that, in that space. So I would be defining where you sit against competitors. You know, I do all the fundamentals. And then if you're going to start building your brand, if I think that's your question, is I would look at what makes me distinct. That would be the question I would be saying. What is the personality of this business? And is it, I don't want to use the word authentic, but is it real? Like, because sometimes we can go, you know, I've done millions of these brand workshops and oh, we're going to be, the, we're female and with this and with that, you know, and there's a bunch of uh, white-collared men, you know. So you got to, what can you actually really pull off? What, what is authentic? And I think then hiring people around that are going to be that authenticity or going to be authentic to what is that positioning that you've done. And then I'd be looking at your visualisation of everything, so making sure that that is distinct as possible. How many times do you see a brand go into market and it's blue, and they're all blue? You know, I I just baffled by sometimes some of that, and that's sometimes about fitting in. You know, sometimes that is a tactic. Uh, you know, you just you, you things simple, simple things like that, and stick to them. You know, marketers are tremendously changing from here to there to this. Find what makes your core asset, what makes that and stick to it and be as bold as possible in your category and uh, map that out and live it like on everything. So anything that goes out of of the place, does that fit what, what we are about? You know, um, like if I uh, look at the guys at Drift, their, their pricing page—they've got someone talking about the pricing page, how the packaging came about. They're talking about, um, you know, like I actually look at it and go, "Whoa, it's on the border of uh, very filming." You know, like like, but I, I quite I like them. I like I like the personality. And I like what they stand for, and they just raw and just saying it how it is. And I think you—that's their spot. You've got to find what's your spot. And I think, um, you know, the rise of tech is, is helping that. So, I, I would, yeah, that, that would be the things you would define that. And then you think about what different tactics uh, can I deliver on my strategy. You know, looking at different avenues of connecting with people. You know, thinking about consumers. I I like what my got two little girls. I I watch what they're watching. I see what they're doing. They completely had a different upbringing to me. They, as I say, they're watching YouTube, watching gamers play games. And I'm baffled by it. But I'm now I'm thinking, hey, I need to be in on that somehow. I got to be somehow in on that because somehow I'm going to make money out of that somehow. That's I that. don't know yet. Yeah. I don't know yet, but I'm I'm looking, going. That's where they're going, and I'm looking at uh, Instagram and the stories and sharing, and I'm thinking it's going in a direction that is far away from a white paper as possible. I don't think I'm not dishing just white papers. We do them, but I, it's to the extreme where you got to you got to bank up. What are all the pieces of tactics you're doing to what's right for your strategy? Yeah, and I think. That, that's what I, I, I just look at culture. Culture is, is constantly moving, constantly changing, and it's exhausting to keep up, to be honest. It's, it, it, but why not try? Just, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa. I just think what is the worst thing that's going to happen? That's a good question. That's a great
1: question. What is the worst thing that could happen? And I think a lot of people are scared. You know, a, a lot of people, I think, exaggerate. What's the worst mm. case is, and I think a mm. lot of people in the B2B space, mm. just like you said before, they're worried. They're worried of like, hey, you know, am I going to get fired if this goes wrong? Yeah. And, and yeah. that culture, you're right, the culture is not there. The culture of experiment, it's fine. If it doesn't work, it's all good. Um, but let's be bold. Let's be out there. And the other thing that you mentioned is let's stay consistent. I think that is such a great point that you've made because, you know, we, I feel like, marketers work with brands for a long time and we get tired of it, right? We get tired of the green in our logo. We're like, oh my God, another, I'm going to do a green again. But what we don't realize is it's only us who experience that so much. The, the market has no clue that you have a green element in your logo or in your brand. And you have to just com- constantly push that for people to be like, I've seen that, 20 times, I feel like there is a green. I associate, I'm simplifying, but I'm associating the color green with this brand, right? I'm associating this kind of feeling, youth, with Coca-Cola. That, you know, that was years and years of work uh, and consistency for that, for that mindset to sit in.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's the thing. You, you Marketers take for granted they think that every piece of communications or, or tactics they do, that every consumer sees it, and we're lucky if they see one. You know, that's what I just don't don't kid yourself. You're not that great. I say to myself, you're not that great. Somebody may notice, and I'm going to smash it down their faces until they, they've seen it. You know, and just keep keep at it and keep at it. And you you you, you can just vary those tactics to do uh, what it is. And what we do is once we find something that works. We, we milk that dry, don't we? So why would we change that? So, yeah, I, I'm a big believer in um, stick to your stick to your core assets. You know, people got That's different amazing. words for I call core assets.
1: That's amazing. Now, Justin, we covered so much and there, you, you've, you've shed mm-hmm. light on so many amazing insights around, you know, building personality mm-hmm. and building a brand. Is there anything on that topic in the B2B space that you think I haven't covered or, or we kind of missed?
2: I think, you know, there's, there's there's more to it than that. I think it's you, you, what the challenge people have with B2B is you've got to build your evidence uh, and your argument and, and stand by that. And I think that's just as bad as B2B is a huge part of that is branding internally. So uh, being the inspiration, being the motivator that takes everybody along the ride is really important. Um, you don't ever want to be seen as, oh, here come the marketing people. You know you want you want to, you've got to be serving everybody in the business. Like I'm, I, I'm in service to uh, giving the sales ops. I'm in service to making the CS, they've got good retention. I'm in service to my leadership team to delivering those uh, uh, results that I um, promise. I'm in service to culture. Building a brand so people want to uh, live, in, live and come and work in this great culture. Uh, you know, you've got to you've got to be on the inside and be a, a celebratory part of the brand internally. And I think if you can get that right, uh, that's where the magic happens. And I think that is a, probably the biggest challenge of any marketer. Uh, we're so concerned with the results on the outside. We're so concerned with meeting the metrics and delivering on that that we sometimes forget that it's a living entity that your sales team are the brand, your CS everybody is the brand, and you need to help motivate them. So I, th- I think that's the, the other part I would add is be the internal motivator uh, and live it and breathe it and, and don't be deterred. You know, you're always going to get critics. Um, just like Just like being green, you know, be that same personality and driving it forward that, that that's that's what i try to i'm not you know i'm relatively successful sometimes not sometimes uh i aren't and you've got to uh, find the right company for you that, that that celebrates that i think yeah yeah no
1: that's that's a great point um okay now look this is this is amazing i i i Took away a lot, and I'm sure a lot of listeners would would do the same. Now, if people want to find out more about yourself or an Ansarado, answer, answer what's the best way for them to do so?
2: You can just uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, just don't try to sell me anything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's you the can,
1: story of LinkedIn yeah, these days, right?
2: We, we, yeah, yeah. Um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. I think it's the best thing. Or I'm at Death of Average on uh, Instagram. You can connect w- with me at, at there. Um, justin.smith at anserata.com and connect with me on email uh, all right i'd love to continue the chats with lots of people i love connecting with people and uh, as long as they're not trying to sell me something yeah
1: well i really appreciate it (laughs) i really appreciate it justin thank you so much for your time and uh and for being on the on the podcast
2: I, i recommend one book that people go read Yes. Before we wrap up, go on. One, one last, uh, one, one book is "Let My People Go Surfing" by the founder of Patagonia. Let my people go surfing, and that'll talk about authenticity and realness. That you'll see how Brand did it.
1: Anyway, that's a good one too. Oh wow, I, I haven't, I haven't heard of that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna check this out. Um, pretty much after our, our, our chat. Thank you very much for that, and thanks again for being on the
2: on the show. No problem. Stay safe.
0: Hey, it's Alex again from X-Growth. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you take a moment to rate us on Apple Podcasts. It would really help get the word out to other B2B professionals. If you're hungry for more B2B content, make sure to join our Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack, where we share the latest B2B news, tactics, tips, and chat about problems we're facing in the B2B space and find solutions together. That's growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you in the next episode.